Hi, I'm Deb Crow, and I want to welcome you to Season 3 of Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. This is a podcast where we connect, learn, and laugh together with authentic and courageous leaders from all over the globe. You will learn from leaders you haven't even met yet. You will gain new tools to add to your leadership toolkit. Leadership belongs to all of us. It's not measured by stature or title. So please pull up a chair and listen in. This is the Heart Centered Leadership Podcast. Today's guest is going to talk about and teach us a little bit about kind leadership. What does it mean? How can it be used in your leadership as part of your leadership? What does it do within organizations to foster a trusting culture amongst your team? How can it eliminate fear? And how can we ensure that kind and leadership can have a little bit of space within the premise of business acumen today? So I want you to pull up a chair, think about the word kind, think about the word leadership, think about everything we talk about on this show, imperfection, being heart-centered, and how can you put that all together in an equation that lands up in your leadership toolkit to make you a better leader today. So my guest today is Karen Ross, and Karen, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. She's a fellow Canadian, even though she's living in the U.S., not too far from us, actually. I think you said Chicago, one of my favorite cities. Thank you. Karen, tell us a little bit about yourself, because I've changed things up this year for season three, and I love storytelling. And tell us a little bit about Karen Ross and your passion for kind leadership. Well, thank you so much. And first of all, I'm going to say, I think part of my passion for kind leadership comes from being Canadian. And I actually was born in Montreal. I grew up in Ottawa and I went to university in Toronto. And my husband, who's also Canadian, did all of his grad schooling in the United States. And then when he became a professor and he wanted to, there was no job for him in Canada. So I ended up here in the United States. So I lived in Canada for 30 years of my life. And now I've lived in the United States for 30 years of my life. And so it was very interesting being socialized and growing up Canadian and then moving to the United States and seeing really just so many of the differences and so many differences that come from leadership. So I'm going to say that I am not a perfectionist and I grew up in a perfectionist family, right? And what I learned is that our parents are our first leaders and how they think, speak, and act has a huge influence on us. And then when we go to school, our teachers are our next leaders, and we learn from them about leadership. Then we go into the work world, and we learn from those people, and we also learn from our political uh, leaders. And in uh, having lived 30 years under the Canadian system of leadership and 30 years here in the U.S., then in 2016, when we had the election and elected the former President Trump and really so many unkind behaviors were made permissible. Unkind words were allowed to be spoken. Unkind ways of treating people that it really made me realize that the effect 
that leaders have on how others act, how others speak, how others think is, is huge. And actually, that's what led me to uh, write the Kind uh, Leader book. Well, you're on the right show um, because it's all about being imperfect. And I think imperfection has such a profound level of foundation in our heart-centered leadership. So whether it's kind or heart-centered, I think we're, we're cousins in spirit. And I've got some great leadership questions that I'd love for you to answer. And I do think Canadians are friendly people. We often hear that. So thanks for that shout out. So my first question is, share with us why you feel and, and certainly know kind leadership is key to eliminating fear, creating trust, and giving organizations a better route to have that position to be better in this world. And you alluded a little bit to that in what you just said, but I'd love for you to expand on it. Sure. And I'd like everybody to just take a moment and think about Sunday night, right? (laughs) Do you have a good sleep on Sunday night? Or are you tossing and turning, worrying about what's going to happen on Monday morning? And in general, if you're tossing and turning like many people and worried about what's going to happen on Monday morning, It's because you're feeling fear. And I think that we don't realize how much fear people feel at work. And the reason people feel fear is that they're worried that maybe their leader is going to react in an unkind way. They're going to say something unkind to them about work they've done. Maybe they're going to react in an unkind way if a piece of work is late or actually if it's not handed in perfectly right? If something isn't wrong. And that fear leads people to stay up at night. It leads them to have many different kinds of health concerns at work. It leads them, we often talk about safety in the workplace, but how often do we talk about psychological safety? It leads them to be unable to share ideas, to voice uh, concerns, to raise up problems actually that are, uh, you know, not beneficial to customers and not beneficial to the organization. So when you work in fear, that fear doesn't just stay at work. You take that fear home, right? And it spreads out into all parts of your life. It affects your relationships with people in your community. So it's super important that we actually eliminate fear at work and all fear And I want people to really think about this. All fear comes from unkindness. If there were no unkindness, if there was no negative consequence that you were worried about, you wouldn't feel fear, right? (laughs) You absolutely wouldn't feel fear. And nothing and no one, including every person, can grow if they're in fear. Well, it's it's so well said. And my favorite... Part of your answer is how you framed our life comes to work and our work comes home into our life. And it's so important to be mindful of that because if you're a kind leader, heart-centered leader, you will recognize that within yourself, on your executive, as well as any member of a certain team if you're watching and observing. So I love that. Okay, our second question is super fun. 
I made it a permanent resident on the show. We've asked over 200 leaders this question. It usually brings a lot of laughter and a lot of fun dialogue. What imperfections does Karen bring to her heart-centered leadership? Okay, I'm going to ask anyone who follows me on LinkedIn to look at any post that I post and you will see guaranteed that there is a spelling mistake or a grammar mistake. And I actually leave those in purposefully. And the reason that I leave them in purposefully is that people follow me and people, again, do what I do and they say what I do because when we wear our leader hat, we influence other people. I don't have perfect spelling. I don't have perfect uh, grammar and I don't have perfect attention to detail. Absolutely not. And so at a certain point, I realized, actually, you know, people are looking at me and they say, Karen, you've traveled all over the world. You've published six books. You've done all of those things. You have this perfect life. You, And it's absolutely not true. So I started leaving all those imperfections in. And I want people to realize that, okay, now I put a post on LinkedIn that maybe 25,000 people have seen. And there's a spelling mistake. Nothing has happened to me. Right. And think about it. When you go to work, I've been in situations where PowerPoints have gone back and forth and people have been chastised because a bullet point is a 10 point font and not a 12 point font. <laughs> Standard is the sky is not going to fall down. Right. If you put something out there with a spelling mistake, if you put something out there with a grammar mistake, all it means is that you're a human being. And that's okay. The world is not going to fall apart. Absolutely. Well said. And honoring your imperfection, which has a foundational place in all of us. Okay, my third question is, you alluded that leaders need to focus first on the means, the how, not on the ends, and that people are never things. And we don't need to be kind to things. We need to be kind to people. Where did this derive from? And perhaps you could share an example or a story of how this kind of came to fruition for you. All right. So I was uh, an at-home mom until I was in my 40s. And I will say I was a work-at-home mom because raising children is a huge amount of work and usually unpaid work. And when I was in my 40s, I I went to work in a... uh, payroll company and I took care of 300 payroll customers and it had been the first time that I'd had the opportunity to work and I will say corporate America but you could say corporate Canada too and I was super shocked because I was being evaluated and my performance was being evaluated by numbers the number of checks I produced in a week the number of clients I spoke to in a week the time in which I could quickly get a client off the phone, right? I had to call, I had to have a call in a call center within these metric numbers, a customer satisfaction score. And I was totally shocked because performance was all based on these numbers, but I'm not a number, I'm a human being. And here's the thing, customers love to chat with me and I love to chat with customers. And what tied customers to our organization was that personal human connection. And from working in this, in which people were 
being told, okay, your check number is not this check number. And then, you know, you didn't help client A, B, C, one, two, three. And I'd be like, but what's that client's name? And it made me realize that actually managers manage things and things aren't people. People are human beings. We have feelings. When people make a mistake, you know what they feel? They feel bad. Everybody wants to do their best and contribute. And it really made me realize that actually when we speak about people in non-human terms, we don't need to be kind to them, right? If we talk about a client not by their name, but we just give them a customer number, we've dehumanized them. And now we can say all kinds of unkind things about them instead of thinking, oh, the client made a mistake and gave us the wrong information. They're a human being. They're imperfect. That's going to happen. What could we do to help them instead? And instead of marking people on all those ends, right, the output of their work, we could focus as leaders on the means. How do we help our people do a better job, right? Do we really need to get clients off the phone as quickly as possible? Because actually maybe the thing that's helping them and preventing further mistakes in the future is that added conversation time. So I learned that from my own personal experience. And I never, ever, ever forget that in my own consulting work, in my own coaching work, I always remember that no results for any company are generated without people. And if we don't treat people kindly, they don't learn, they don't grow, they don't blossom because they're in fear, right? Unkindness and unkind leadership leads to fear. I'll I'll tell you what I love about that is I used to be in the medical world as a disability case manager. So I sat in a lot of homes around our province, a lot of them were in small little rural pockets Mm -hmm. that I'd never even heard of. Like you drive through and blink. Mm -hmm. And it was those conversations around the kitchen table that allowed me to be the great exemplary listener that I work on to this day to continue to evolve. And when you would come back and sit with that injured person, whether it was a car accident or... Mm -hmm. a brain aneurysm, or they got hurt at work. That didn't matter. What mattered was I heard what was being not said when they spoke. I, you know, I honed in on the emotion and I would write down the name of the new grandchild or the new dog or their new car or whatever was important outside of the reasoning for why I was there. And this is why I was busy. And I would say to my admin assistant, I always used yellow lined pads so I could quickly pull my notes out for my admin assistant to type. And then I would dictate some extra things of observation on my way home in the car. This is before phones, Karen. This was the little handheld recorders, right? And my assistant used to say, I can't believe what you talk about and get in, in an hour, hour and a half visit. But I would be mindful of what to start with on my next visit. And they used to sit back in their chair and look at me blankly and say, you remember about our grandchild? And it's those infinite, heartfelt, kind 
observations that we choose to hold on to to bring up in the next conversation. Because I, you know, I say every week on the show, heart-centered leadership, my definition Mm -hmm. is honoring your connection with people. It's an energy exchange and there is no room or place for reciprocity. And that's why when I saw the work that you were doing, I was like, oh my goodness, I've got to get Karen on the show. We speak the same language and we are so parallel. And I just, I love that you're another person putting this goodness out into the world. Kudos to you, Karen. Well, thank you and kudos to you. And I feel exactly the same. And I actually am working with one customer right now and they're a manufacturing client. And actually we've started what we're calling a customer success appreciation program. And so the customer success uh, specialists who support our customers every month, they're nominating a person, not just a customer like number, they're nominating a person who works with, you know, for one of their customers and we're sending them a personalized thank you note with why we're enjoying working with you as a customer in a swag bag. And I cannot tell you the response we've received from people who are just like, oh my goodness, nobody has thanked me for the fact that when I'm on the phone with, I'm kind or that (laughs) it's been unbelievable. We've forgotten somehow in the world that people are people, right? And it's this connection and that even sometimes things are frustrating because nothing is perfect and we don't need to be. That's why there's 7 billion of us here on the earth so we could help each other. We're all imperfect in different ways. But we forget that actually, even if we're frustrated with someone, the person sitting in front of us is an amazing human being, right? (laughs) We just started thinking about how wonderful they are as a person imperfect as they are, and stopped worrying about every single little bit of production. People are always more important than money. People are always more important than dollars. So I'm super happy to have met you too. Yeah, it's, you know, what we put out there, we get back. And I, I believe there's serendipity when we meet other people who hold the same value and belief system. So my last leadership question is, share with us one strategy that our listeners, who we're so grateful for, because we're in 65 countries now, what's one strategy they could implement today to further their kindness within their leadership or maybe start because they've been afraid from a previous leader who said it didn't have a place What one tip or strategy would you give to our listeners today? I have a very simple practice that people can do because I always say kind leadership is a practice that takes practice and it doesn't matter whether you haven't done it before because we can all start now. So I'm sure that you've talked about this too, that our brains are wired for negativity bias. So we're hardwired (laughs) to assume the worst, right? Back from the time that uh, there were saber-toothed tigers and we needed to make sure that we were safe. So the very first thing that often comes to our mind when we're reading the subject line of an email or our boss calls us and says, can you come over, is something negative. And I call that negative first impression. And of course, when we have negative first impression, and we think something unkind or negative, we're more likely to speak or act unkindly as well. So oftentimes our assumptions are absolutely 
incorrect also. So I like to ask people to start by practicing positive intent. And you can do it super simply. Read an email subject line that comes in your email. Think about what is the first thought that has come into my mind. Chances are it's negative. Then take a post-it note. I bet you everybody has a post-it note sitting nearby. And then write down all of the possible other reasons it could be. So a really short example, your boss says, uh, can we talk about this report that you've sent me? Write down that your first thought is, boss wants to chew me out for spelling <laughs> mistakes. Then I want you to write a list of all the other possible reasons. Boss wants to give me a compliment. Boss, uh, you know, wants to ask me to present at the thing. Boss, what? And then when you think of all those possible other reasons and realize the first thing that came into your mind isn't necessarily right, you'll be able to speak and act more kindly in whatever situation you're in. Great strategy. And my background's in neuroscience and you are so right. It's just so easy to go to the negative. It's hard to stay in the positive. And I have little post-it notes on my monitor just to keep me grounded. I'm a yoga teacher. That little cognitive visual reminder, we can always control us. And when we hone into that from the time our eyes open to the time we go to bed, once you hone it as a practice, fully agree with you, it just becomes easier because it's really not about us. If someone gives us a word or a subject in an email, we're, we're going to default. We got to be that trampoline and get those neural pathways bouncing back into our homeland, which is positive. Exactly. And I love your suggestion of a post-it note. I also wear a variety of bracelets and they all say something because then when I'm out and about and I feel that I can hold on to the one that says everything will be all right, right? Or look at this one from my foundation for love and kindness that says, think about kindness. So that's a great strategy for people too. Absolutely. Okay. I'm going to switch to my fab four. These are just four fun questions. We don't want you to think, just share with us what's on the top of that brilliant mind. First question, if I were to ask your family and friends to describe you in one word, what would it be? Persistent. <laughs> I thought you were going to say kind and I was going to say, okay, you got to pick another word. We already know you're kind. I love that. And it goes well with our last conversation that we had around your last leadership question. So beautiful. Second question, name a book that really inspired or changed your life. When did you read it? What was the title and who is the author? All right. Have you, uh, maybe you've read it. It's called The Book of Joy. And it's a conversation between the Dalai Lama and Bishop Desmond Tutu. And when the Toyota Way to Service Excellence, which is the first book that I co-authored with Jeff Liker, came out, I did a book signing here at a local bookstore. And as a gift, they said, you can choose any book in this store. Isn't that kind? And I happened to choose, so I think it was 2016, and I happened to choose that book. And I read it and it just really resonated with me and as part of this kind leadership. And although people think, well, Karen, why didn't you choose a business book? It really is a business book too. So if anyone has not read the book of joy, I would suggest to uh, go right out and get it. 
So two things, that book was gifted to me by a friend after I became a yoga teacher. And secondly, I'm going to underline and bold and make that a super huge font with many exclamation marks. Yes, it is a business book. It is. Loving this conversation. Okay, third question. I'm granting you a wish and you get to have dinner with any leader. So let me let me put some context around this. The leader can be living or they could be passed away. Who are you having dinner with and what is the dinner conversation? Oh my goodness. <laughs> you have great questions. So I would actually probably choose the Dalai Lama. And I'd invite my husband because my husband is actually a professor of uh, Asian studies and teaches history and religion. But I would really uh, like to talk about how to activate and encourage other people to be kinder, even through adversity. That's who I would chat with. That would be a phenomenal dinner. He's been brought up before for this question with some other leaders. And I think like you, I would just be sitting in awe of his presence and it would be an enjoyable dinner. Before I ask you my last question and and have you finish out the show, I just want to say, this is why I love the internet. This is why I love LinkedIn. I think you and I share an immeasurable love for people. And I love that we're side by side doing the work that we're doing out there. So excited to have continued conversation with you and just want to wish you continued success on your kind leadership journey. Well, thank you so much. And next time I visit Canada, I'm coming to visit you. You have to come visit me. We're not that far away. I think we're about a six hour drive. So I'm going to have you finish the show by finishing this sentence for me. Heart-centered leadership is? About people. I think the thing is, so often we get caught up in all of the woulda, shoulda, could as what are we going to do in our day today? We're rushing around. We have to finish this report. We have to help this many customers. We have to take the cat to the vet. We have to get the car repaired. We have to get the kids to school. And we those are all things, right? They're all mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. Be done that we forget. Standing in front of us, sitting at our kitchen table, sitting beside us at work, are fabulous human beings. They're fabulous. They're imperfect. They make mistakes. They say the wrong things. They don't always have the best judgment, but they are doing their best to create a better, kinder world. And that if we forget that they're people, our hearts will not connect. A rock doesn't have a heart. A computer doesn't have a heart. A person does. Thanks for joining me today on Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. I hope that you've enjoyed the show today and learned some new tools for your leadership from our amazing Heart-Centered guest. And if you like the show, we would welcome a rating and review on whatever platform you listen to. And we would love to have any comments or feedback at any time. And if you want some more Heart-Centered goodness, head over to our daily blog, masteringtheheart.com.